uh, there are 10 things that they say, and I was blown away by this, and that's why I put it in here. They said 10 things that'll help you to live longer. Number one, they said don't retire. Now, some of you, it's too late already, but that's all right. Volunteer, be involved in something. The minute you stop being actively involved in people's lives is the minute that you start to begin to die. All right, number two, let me just keep moving. Floss every day. My wife will tell you that. So many diseases are connected. Um, well, let me say it like this. Almost all diseases are connected through the blood. And the most accessible way to, input, to put disease in your bloodstream is through your mouth. And when you don't floss every day, you allow stuff to build up in your mouth, poison and bacteria sets in. This is just what they're saying. New, U.S. News and World Report. Number three, move around. Somebody say move around. Be active, exercise, et cetera, et cetera. Number four, eat a fiber-rich cereal for breakfast. Matter of fact, I, I had some cornbread the, uh, last night, y'all, <laughs> after we talked about it. And you know what I did? I took some flax meal and put it inside of it. Now, most of y'all, you know, I ain't putting no flax meal on myself. I'm just going to load up some butter. But listen, I want to be able to eliminate. Forgive me for saying that. Amen. Amen. Do you know that colon cancer and bowel cancer is almost directly connected to how we are able to eliminate food in our bodies? Oh, come on in here. Talk to me in here today. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, I want to eliminate. Now, you don't have to do that. Just it. <laughs> Number five, get at least six hours of sleep. Get at least six hours of sleep. You got to get good night's rest. Number six, consume whole foods, not supplements. This is basically saying uh, the choice between uh, uh, processed foods and, 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 and whole grain foods or natural foods. Let me keep moving. Number seven, be less neurotic. Don't focus on negative. Studies are showing now that people that live to be 100 years old do not internalize and dwell on problems. Uh, let me keep moving here. Number eight. And no, and this, blew, this blew my mind. Live like a seven-day Adventist. This is U.S. News and World Report. Now, this ain't the preacher trying to, this ain't propaganda. I'm not trying to do a pro-Adventist thing here. I'm proud of my church, but I got, I got to be proud this moment. It says, if you want to live long, live like an Adventist. Oprah said it. Come on, did y'all see the Oprah Winfrey show? It was on Oprah. People where people live the longest because, and listen, it's, we're not legalistic. We're following God's laws. If you follow his laws, you'll be blessed. Come on, say amen. Matter of fact, the average Adventist lives 10 years longer. 10 years longer than the average human being in the United States of America. Number nine, be a creature of habit. Have routines and schedules, good habits. Good, good, uh, wake up at a certain time in the morning. Get in a regimen. Have a system. Have a plan. A diet is not a plan. Like I told you the other night, when you, when you diet, you're planning not to continue to do that. I'm going to go on a diet. The implication is I'm going to come off the diet. A diet is not a lifestyle. I mean, if you want to lose weight, if you want to be in shape, then choose a lifestyle versus a diet. Now, I'm not a physician, but some physicians will tell you to go on diets for extreme situations. And there's some of us that have to do that because of the extremity of our situation. And then finally, number 10, stay connected. We've got to have regular social contact. One thing they left out of here was God. But you can pick that up through number, uh, what was that? Number eight, live like a seven-day Adventist. Come on, say amen. All right, now, let's go to tonight's study, and uh, let's, get, let's get into this word. I'm excited about this word tonight. This, this one right here is probably my favorite to talk about. Uh, this is be flight truth number five, Facebook. Let's pray. Father, do your thing. Have your way. Speak. I can't do this without you. I've got to have you here. Got to have you leading and guiding. God, get past our prejudices, our presuppositions, our opinions, our traditions. Get past that and get to our hearts. Clear the clutter out of the way. You're standing at the door and knocking according to your word. Now, God, give us the courage to let you in and do whatever you want. Say whatever you want. Do whatever you be God. Take charge right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's read the text, Revelation 14, 6 and 7. Together, the Bible says, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of what? Having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth. To every what? Tribe, tongue, and what? Fear God and give glory to him. The Bible says, For the hour of his what? That's what we're going to pay. We're going to focus on that tonight. For the hour of his what? 
God says, fear him, which is to say, get committed to God. In other words, the angel is saying, we're living in the last days. Jesus is about to come. If there ever was a time that you need to get serious about your spiritual life, it's now. Fear God. It's like a warning. Yo, yo, wake up, wake up, wake up. Get it, let me get your attention. This is what God is saying. Fear God. Get yourselves together. Do it now. You follow what I'm saying? This is the message of Revelation 14. It's a wake-up call saying, hey, 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 pay attention. I'm trying to get your attention. That's what God is saying to us. Some of y'all think I'm talking to you right now. I'm not talking to you. Um, I'm just, this is what God is saying. No, God is trying to get our attention. We're too busy. We're overworked. We're overstressed. We're overpleasured. We just got stuff going on. And he's saying in these last days, hey, hey. Let me have your attention. How many know he's worthy of it? <laughs> How many know he's worthy of it? And notice now, and, and listen to the reason why he wants our attention. He says, because the hour of his what, everybody? Come on, talking here. Because what? The hour of his judgment. Somebody say judgment. 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 Say it again. Judgment. Say judgment. judgment. The hour of his judgment has come. Is that past tense or present? That's past tense. It's already started. Judgment time has started. So God is saying, wake up. <laughs> Give me your attention. Hey, hear me. Listen to me. I'm talking to you. I'm, I'm trying to get your attention. God is saying, why? Why? Why, God? What's the big deal? Because it's judgment time. My Lord. He says, and, and, and what should we be doing? We should be worshiping him who did what? Made heaven and earth the sea and springs of water. There is a new, there's a new fame thing now. Some of y'all know about it, some of y'all don't. Some of y'all getting onto it. There's a lady the other day, she's 101 years old. She's a, she has a Facebook account. For those of you who don't know what Facebook is. No, let me, okay. Does anybody not know what Facebook is? All right, I know some of you don't. You're too ashamed to tell me. Facebook is a internet-based social networking system. That didn't help anybody. <laughs> that didn't help anybody. Facebook is a way through your computer that you can connect with people from the past, present, future, uh, people you don't know, you can connect. There are literally 500 million. Did you hear what I said? There are 500 million subscribers to Facebook. 500 million. That's one out of every 14 people on the planet. One of those people has a subscription to, to Facebook. All right, let's go ahead. Let's get it on out there. Let's get it out in the open right now. Let's just get it out there right now. Let's get it on out there. Man, I know we, we are. Doing. How many of you have a Facebook account? Put your hand in the air right now. All right, good. I ain't going to beat up on you tonight. Ain't no, listen, there ain't nothing wrong with Facebook, just like there's nothing wrong with the Internet. There's nothing wrong with television. It's how it's used. Ain't nothing wrong with food, but it's how it's used. Come on, say amen. Nothing wrong with sex. It's how it's used. Come on, say amen. Y'all are awake now, huh? Ah, I think I, I think I got me a crowd in here tonight. Wake up! Wake up! 500 million people, one out of 14 on the planet has a Facebook account. What I'm telling you is, you ought to know about Facebook by now. This is a, this is a pop culture revolution. Two dudes at Harvard University playing around on their, on their computers decide one day they want to set up something for colleges. Next thing you know, they're billionaires. Because people want to be connected. That's the thing about Facebook. People like to be connected with each other. Uh, Facebook has its pros and its cons. Tonight, I want to I mainly talk about the heart of why Facebook is what it is. Then we're going to talk about the real Facebook from the Word of God. There, there's been a Facebook before Facebook ever came out, and that Facebook is in the Word of God. And y'all better get ready because it's judgment time, and you're going to have to face the Facebook. Come on, say amen. 500 million, one out of 14 on the planet. This tells me something. People want to be connected. People want, to be, people want relationship. People want to be connected with people from their past and their present. Now, Facebook has wrecked some marriages. Studies are showing now that Facebook is a new way to cheat on your spouse. Come on, say amen. I mean, before Facebook, if you had an ex-girlfriend or you had an ex-boyfriend from 30 years ago, I mean, you just never saw or heard from him again unless you went to a high school reunion. Now that Facebook is here, all you got to do is accept them as a friend, reach out to them as a friend, and within seconds, you have already rekindled old love. Quiet in here. See, here's the thing with Facebook. Facebook allows you to let the world see what you want them to see about you. Now, let, let me, let me, this is what I want to talk about Facebook tonight. 
Facebook is a good thing. It allows people to be connected. We got a lot of church things going on on Facebook. People have been connected. I had a friend of mine who started coming back to church because he got on Facebook and he started seeing what God was doing in the lives of his friends that he had been separated from. And he was convicted. He was like, man, those pictures inspire me. I want to give my life back to the Lord. It can be used for good, but it can be used for evil. But here's the thing about Facebook that's blowing my mind. Facebook allows you to create your own little world. That, that, that you want people to perceive about you. So, for example, this could have been your photo. You know, everybody on the Facebook page, and this might be, I might be talking Japanese to some of you tonight, but don't worry, you'll catch up in a minute. They, they have a profile page. Somebody say a profile page. On the profile page, it's basically a synopsis of your life and who you are. There's a photo uh, of your choosing up there, generally a photo about yourself. And most times, people do not put a photo up there that they don't want people to see. Amen. They want to put their best photos. I, I've even seen people, I mean, for example, like this brother right here. Now, this photo was taken in like 1960, right? But they put their best shot up there. They want, hey, look, they, they look my best days was in the 60s, but <laughs> I know what I look like now, but I'm going to put that one up there. Come on, say amen. <laughs> and folk are hooking up with each other on the internet based upon false identities. <laughs> Edit my profile. Uh, for example, then there's, there, then there's this thing on Facebook called getting tagged. I'm just breaking it down. For those of you who never, on Facebook, you can tag, if they, listen, on the internet, there are millions of photos out there about all of them. From all of us, taken at different times. I mean, everybody's got a camera now, and the minute they take a picture, they're uploading it to the internet, all right? And when they upload it to the internet, they put it on their Facebook page. And so what they'll do is they'll tag the photo, which is to say they want you to be identified with the photo. So the sad thing about this is, is they, sometimes people will tag photos of, 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 of yourself that you don't want nobody to see. How did y'all put that on the internet is what I want to know. You know what I'm saying? How about this one right there? I mean, why would y'all do that to a brother, huh? And you start pulling out stuff from people that they really don't want anybody to see. Tagging brothers, man. I mean, just jacking us up, man. Just totally. It's just unfair. Don't want anybody to see that. That's not real. Now, the truth is, I did have my hair like that at one time. I did. And they call this getting tagged. Somebody say getting tagged. Getting tagged. Now, so, so you know, what people will do is, you know, instead of wanting people to see what's wrong with you, this is the Facebook phenomena, you try to create the best, the best possible light of yourself. So I took it upon myself to show folk what I used to do back in the day. Come on, say amen. You know, a little Photoshop, you know, that was me before I got saved, you know. Y'all thought it was him, but it was really me. The thing about Facebook is it's not reality. It's not reality. You only put up what you want people to see. Oh, Lord, help me. That's what I want to get tonight. You put your best out there. I mean, people always got their glamour shots and, and them posing nicely. You don't put the photos up there of you getting up first thing in the morning. There's some people who are crazy enough to do that. But you put your best out there because you want people to see you a certain way. You want to be socially acceptable. People doing all kinds of crazy stuff on Facebook. They're putting, they putting their dirty laundry out there because in some circles, it's acceptable to be nasty. In some circles, it's acceptable to be promiscuous. In some circles, it's acceptable to put the fact that you're out at a strip club on the Internet. They feel like that's acceptable. But the, well, here's the issue. They choose to put what they want people to see. Hear me now, though. The Word of God tells us that there's a book that you have no choice or no control in the matter of what comes in it. Oh, y'all better hear me right now. You, you, can't, you can't put up your, prof your best profile picture. You can't, you can't tag the photo of when you, fresh, when you got your hair freshly done and your teeth freshly whitened. You can't do that. In this book, somebody say this book. This book is the real book. This book is the real Facebook because this book is not under the control of human beings. This book is under the control of God himself. Let's look at this for a minute. Acts chapter 17, verse 31. The Bible says together... He has appointed a day on which he will do what? God is judging the world. We just saw from Revelation that that judgment is happening when? Come on, talk back to me. It's happening when? Say it with some gusto. It's happening when? 
It's happening now. Let's keep moving here. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must, come on now, for we must all, how many everybody? Everybody. The preacher, the preacher's wife, his children, you, your cousin and them, your, your, your cousin Jaquan, your cousin, your cousin Felicia, everybody, everybody, the president of the United States must stand before God. Come on, say amen. amen. Romans 14, 12 says, together, read with me. So then, each of us, notice now the specificity, each of us shall give what? Yeah. Of himself to who? Yeah. To God. Daniel 7 and 9. Notice what the, prophetic, uh, what the prophet told us. He says, I watched till thrones were put in place. Anytime you see the word throne in the Bible, that is an immediate reference to judgment. When a king would make decisions about a person's life, he would do it on his, what everybody, on his throne. And the Bible says, and the ancient of days, talking about God, was what? Seated, yeah. His garment was white as what? And the hair of his head was like pure what? His throne was a fiery what? And its, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him, talking of the angels. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was what? And the what? Watch that, Facebook. The books were open. It amazes me. I'm like trying to figure out, God, why would, what do you need a book for? Why would, God doesn't need a book. We need books. Come on, say amen. And I'm finding out that the books are not for God. Somebody say there's some books in heaven. Uh, Revelation 20, verse 12. Just, uh, we're just going to touch on this tonight. The Bible says together, and I saw the dead, small and what? Standing before what? And books were what? And another book was what? Which is the book of? Yeah, at the end of the day, that's where you want your name. Not in Facebook, but you want your name in the book of what? The book of life is the book of salvation. That's the book where you know that you made it. And the dead were judged according to their what? By the things which were written in the books. Just somebody say the books are important. Now notice this now. The Bible says we are going, our, our, whether we get in the book or not, is based on our what? Based on our what? Now let me just, let me teach on this for a minute. You can't live any old kind of way. You, you can't just disregard what God says and expect to end up saved. Do you agree with that? If I'm married to my wife, I can't treat her any old kind of way and expect her to want to stay in relationship with me. The same is true of God. God is saying, I've betrothed myself to you. I've loved you with an everlasting love. But there will come a time, someone say time, there will come a time where God will say, enough is enough. You don't want me. But he bases it on our works. Now, that sounds confusing to a lot of us because we've been taught that we're not saved by our what? We're not saved by our works. Now, I want to agree with that tonight. But notice now, Ephesians 2 says, for by what? You have been what? Now, is this a contradiction? We're going to explain it in a minute. For by grace, you have been saved through faith and that not of yourself. In other words, salvation comes by what? Through what? Salvation comes by what? Through what? One more time. Salvation comes by? Through what? All right, so we're saved by grace, which is to say your works can't save you, but you're judged by your works. Now, now watch this now. This, 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 I'm going to make, it, I'm gonna make the uh, picture plain to you right now. Your works give evidence to your faith. Come on, say amen. Like I said the other night, you can tell how somebody, <laughs> you can tell how, how somebody got saved by the way they live. People are always talking about, well, I'm saved, I love Jesus, I'm in a relationship with him. But your life, your works are in contradiction. Now, the, the good news about that is, is you can have another chance with Jesus. All you got to do is repent of your sins and come back to him. So we're saved by grace, but we're judged by our works. What does this mean? I'm going to explain again in James 2. The Bible says, thus also faith 
by itself, if it does not have works, is what? Okay, so if, if, if I have works over here and I, have, and I have faith over here, then there's a problem with my salvation. Because the fact of the matter is my faith and my works ought to be together. Now, the good news is, is nobody in this room can look at somebody's works and determine whether they're saved or lost. God is the one that judges the salvation piece. You can look at people all your life. All right, y'all heard this before. They say there are three shocks in heaven. The first shock is that you're there. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, how'd this happen? How'd I get here? Second shock is that there are folk there that you never thought would be there. Third shock is that there are folk not there that you expected to be there. Fact of the matter is, we are, God tells us, judge not that you not be judged. We cannot look at people's lives. And, and people ask me all the time, Pastor, what if somebody commits suicide? That ain't none of your business. You're a human being. You're not in a position to determine someone's salvation. But the last thing I saw them do was sin. But that's from your vantage point. The truth of the matter is, God has not given us the spiritual capacity to be able to judge people's salvation. Judgment is in the hands of God. Because God is the only one that can look at your faith and your works at the same time. Oh, come on now. The Bible says man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looketh upon the heart. I want to praise God tonight that God is my judge. <laughs> I want to praise him tonight that if I were left in the hands of men, I would never be saved. I thank God that he looks beyond my faults and sees my needs. Come on, say amen. But if you have real faith, then your works will follow. I love the Lord, I, and, and I won't take it back. And, I, and I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. But you cussing folk out. you mean to your family. Your marriage is full of hell. Your children don't like you because you're mean. You got all kind of drama on your job. You can't stand people. Ah, I don't want to hear that. God says that your faith and your works ought to agree. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your what? With all your what? With all your what? This is the first and great what? And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now watch what he says now. Jesus is saying, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. You know what we're being judged on? If I could just tell you. You know what we're being judged on? Two principles. Love God, love people. Period. Period. That's the law of God. How, how do you treat God? God says, okay, I can tell how you treat me. I'm going to watch, see how you treat people. Oh, y'all not hearing me in here today. Listen, we can't just, we can't be lying on folk and conniving and manipulating and mistreating and holding on to unforgiveness and anger and bitterness. You're doing this while you're being judged. Are you crazy? If there was ever a time that you need to go to folk and start getting stuff right and apologizing and let go of your pride and, and getting humble like Jesus would have you to do. He says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ. Listen, brothers and sisters, I'm telling you now, if there was ever a time for us to start getting our stuff right with God and with each other, it's now. Two principles, he says, love God, love people. For being judged on that. Daniel 7, 13 says, I was watching in the night visions and behold, Bible goes on to say, one like the son of man coming with what? The clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And, and, and notice now, God is at judgment as there is a coming in the clouds, which is to say the end of time. There are a couple judgments going on. First is this. We are right now in what I would like to call the investigative judgment, and we'll explain this in a little minute. God is basically giving us due process. You know, in the United States of America, we got a beautiful thing. Even a guy like Anthony Sowell. Most of us think he's guilty, but check this out now. He's innocent until proven guilty in this country. Come on, say amen. That's just the way it is. Oh, you, 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 you would like to have that even when you know you've done something or you haven't done something or it, it doesn't matter. That's just the process we have. In the eyes of God, God gives us, even though God knows we're guilty, God still gives us a chance to correct and to get the thing right. He doesn't cast us off. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Lord have mercy. I should be dead right now. Oh, y'all not hearing me now. I guess I'm just talking to myself in here. We should be dead. Every sin, the very thought of sin should have killed us. But God in his mercy is giving us a chance 
after chance, 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 after he's giving us chances. And look what the word says in 1 John 2, 2 verse 1. He says, we have an advocate. <laughs> Woo, I love this message tonight. We have an advocate. An advocate is, is an attorney. He's got our back. Come on, Sam. Me and my wife having a discussion the other day. Uh, you know, I have a tendency to break uh, the traffic laws of the land. <coughs> you know, uh, <laughs> as soon as I left church the other night. Woo, 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 woo. Got pulled over, and then one of the church members drove by me. Pastor, you all right? <laughs> and so I told my wife, I was like, you know, sometimes I'm driving, I may cut somebody off or something like that, and, you know, folk, they'll tell me I'm number one or something like that. You, you know, you're number one, you know. <laughs> so they got a frown on their face. It's confusing. I'm like, am I number one or not, you know? So they're like, you're number one. You know, they, you know they, 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 all kind of words come out of their mouth. You're the greatest person in the world. You know, that's not what they're really saying. And so sometimes my wife will look at me like, what are you doing, fool? Why are you, why are you, why are you driving like that? And I'll, I'll be like, Sinead, even if I'm wrong, just get my back, you know. <laughs> you know, fuss at me afterwards, but at least be like, yeah, 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 whatever, whatever. But then cuss me out after it's over. But if I'm wrong, just get my back. Come on, say amen. Oh, listen, I'm just basing this on the word of God. See, because God gets our back whether we're right or wrong. Now, he does not condone sin, but God does not, he's not ready to put his foot down on us when we're down. I can't stand when people do that. Somebody's already down. They've already made a mistake. And then here come the paparazzi. Here come the Pharisees willing to put their foot on them while they're down. But God doesn't do that. God is an advocate. He says, I know they're down. I know they messed up. I know they've sinned. I know they've got no business here, but, but I'm their advocate. What's your reason, Jesus? I got no other reason except my blood is sufficient for them. Come on, say amen. Ecclesiastes 12, 14 says, For God will bring every work into judgment. Oh, oh, this thing sticks on somebody's head tonight. Every work into what? Including every secret thing. Ooh. Oh, my, 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 my. Man, if we were only judged by what people saw on our Facebook pages or what they saw us doing, then we all be saved. But see, God doesn't just judge deeds, he judges motive. I gotta take a walk on that. Woo! I gotta take a walk. I got to walk on that because, woo, who then, who can be saved? Somebody tell me, who can be saved, Doc? Listen, if God is just, if God is judging motives, motives? Are you serious? Whoa! I mean, we're almost like God. I mean, if you just judge what people see, then we'll all get in. Notice now, God judges your motives and, and every secret thing, whether good or what. Woo! How many know we need Jesus? Malachi 3.16 says, Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and meditate on his name. God remembers. But when you confess your sins, he forgets. <laughs> I don't know how he does that. I don't know how a God that knows everything, the Bible says he will take our sins and throw them into the sea of forgetfulness. When we confess our sins, come on, say amen. But when we don't, he remembers. Psalms 56, 8. I love, now, I love this one right here. My mom used to quote this one. He, uh, so David says, put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book as well? Woo! See, in this book, God not only is looking at a wrong, he's looking at a good, he looks at our experience, he looks where we were born, he looks at who our parents were, he looks at our whole life, he looks at what happened to us, he looks at our opportunities, he looks at everything, he looks at our whole lives, he takes everything into consideration. He doesn't just take a little bit of what he sees, he looks at the whole story, oh man. If you were to judge most of us by one act or one deed that you saw, then we'd all fail. But God says, I'm going to look at the whole picture. I just ain't going to read one chapter of the book, but I, I can see the whole book at the same time. And the reason I like this one is because the Bible says he even takes my tears. 
when you cry, sometimes you don't even have words to be able to ask God for stuff. Sometimes the pain of life just weighs so heavy on your heart and, and you get down on your knees and you want to tell God about it, but instead of words coming out, tears begin to fall and, and God is so wise and so able to understand your past and your present and your future at the same time that he sees your tears and says, I, I hear you, baby. I, I understand what you're going through. You don't have to say a word. I, I got you. Oh. Somebody say he understands. Psalms 139. Well, by the way, let, let me just pause for prayer. I keep hearing the sound system messing up downstairs. Last night, or the previous night on Sunday night, our young people are downstairs preaching the word of God while we're doing this here. We have five young people to make decisions for baptism as a result of young people. I knew that the devil would not be happy. I, I said, I don't know what he's going to do, but he's fooling with the sound system. Father, right now. You know those children are downstairs trying to seek you. You know that the devil is after them with everything he has. I pray right now, God, that you will remove the distractions, that your spirit will work. I pray, oh God, that young people will be saved and that you will raise up a generation of young people that are not ashamed to call you by your right name. I pray this in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Y'all forgive me for that commercial, but I love them kids down there. Let's praise God right now for what he's going to do. Take care of it, Lord. Take care of it, Lord. Take care of it. Now, Psalms 139.9 says, he says, oh, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. Woo! He understands. Psalms 139.3 says, you are familiar with all my ways. Oh, y'all forgive me now. Thank you, Jesus, that we serve a God that looks at all the facts. Psalms 139.16 says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one even came to me. <laughs> uh, like one of my favorite preachers says, he's always going where he's coming from to get to where he is to find out he's already there. <laughs> he can be in the past and in the present and in the future at the same time. Until you learn how to do that, you got no business judging anybody. Until you're able to understand the divorce, until you're able to understand the molestation, until you're able to understand the economic hardship, until you're able to understand what went down and when it went down and how it went down, and then you got to be able to do that in the past and in the present and in the future at the same time. That's the only way that you can give judgment. Come on, say amen. And so we stand before God. This is a sobering message tonight. I hope, uh, listen to me. I want everybody's attention in here. This message ain't just for two or three folk. I'm talking to everybody in here tonight. I'm talking to myself. Now is the time to tighten our stuff up with God. He's been too good. And we're standing before him. He's saying, I'm, I'm, listen, he's not looking at us. All my life, I thought God was like going to get me. I thought Jesus was the good guy. I didn't know what the Holy Spirit was. I just knew he was mystical, and, and whatever I, they said that he was in people, I didn't want it. So I was confused about him. But Jesus was the nice guy, and they painted God as the stern judge. So it was like, if you want to get something from God, you got to go through Jesus just to appease God's anger. Can I, can I help y'all out? Jesus, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit, the Bible said they're three in one. The reason why that Jesus even came here is because the Father's heart was touched. That, that God the Father is not a mean judge waiting to deal with you every time you mess up. His heart palpitates with love. His heart beats with your, with your sufferings. He loves you just like Jesus loves you. And the Holy Spirit is carrying out their pleasure. He, God ain't mad at you. God just, he's just disappointed that you have not taken advantage of his blessings. God knows all about us. It is not necessary to keep records for his benefit. The records are kept so there is clear evidence of God's love and ours in response. Our accountability to God is a solemn thought. We must account, somebody say account, for the most precious gift of all, our lives. God wants to know what you, after all the stuff, after I saved you from the car accident, the cancer, I got you through the divorce. I got you through the trying situation on your job. 
I got you through the, the sinful situation you put yourself in. I forgave you and pulled you out. I got you. I got you out of you going to church, leaving, staying, being gone for 20 years and coming back. I was always there waiting for you. I never left you. I got you. I got you through your, your temper tantrums. I got you through your attitude. I got you through your anger. I've been there every step of the way. If there's anything consistent about your life, it's me. And so I'm asking you now, why can't you at least just give me your whole life? Ecclesiastes 11.9 says, Rejoice, O young man, in your what? And let your heart cheer you in the days of your what? Now look, look what the word of God says. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these, God will bring you into judgment. Matthew 12 and verse 36 says, For every, Lord... <laughs> Every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. <laughs> Somebody say, have mercy. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. Uh, uh, Matthew 12, 37 says, for by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. Now, <laughs> the average person speaks enough words in one week to fill up a book of 320 pages. Mercy, Lord. <laughs> Come on, don't sit up here and look sanctified. Somebody say, have mercy, Lord. Mercy, Lord. Listen, this ain't preacher talk tonight. What I'm telling you is that you're a God that loves you, that, that, is, that with grace and compassion, anybody in here should be dead, but you're not dead, like the preacher. Come on, can we just, I just want to know your story tonight. Anybody in here know that God has been good? Can we agree on that tonight? Can you agree that God has been good to you? And he's saying, man, I'm looking at the book, man, and, and your mouth is awful. Oh, you may not cuss, but you don't bless my name. What is your confession? What are you saying? What are your thoughts? In, in 60 years, that's about 3,000 books. What will your library of books have to say, Lord Jesus? Man, I just pray that God just take his blood and just pour it all over the book. Lord, sprinkle it all over there. Come on, say amen. We need him tonight. Somebody say, I need him. First Corinthians 4 and 5 says, he will bring to light what is hidden in what? What is hidden in darkness. Lord, Lord. Listen, this is why you don't have to try to expose people. You don't have to go after your enemies and try to, uh, you know what I'm saying, like, you know, somebody does you wrong, there is no need of you trying to expose truth. Everything that happens in darkness will come to light. God got it. Come on, say amen, somebody. Somebody tell me God got it. God got this thing. He said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. You don't have to put people on front street because they put, he says, I, Lord have mercy, will bring the hidden things in darkness and will expose the motives. And again, this is why I say our righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees. Just because you're doing stuff that appears religious, God wants to know, why are you doing it? Ecclesiastes 12, 13 says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, <laughs> Lord have mercy, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. And you know what I'm saying? That's the least we can do. Come on, say amen. Oh, bless his name. He says, for God shall bring every, how many, every, everybody? Every work into judgment. James 2.12 says, so speak and so do as, in other words, he says, talk and live your lives as people who are being judged. I'm going to break this down. Uh, Michael Jackson. Um, Y'all remember this? Oh, Mike uh, came, you know, he was accused of child molestation. You know, and the truth is, most of y'all felt like he did it. You know, y'all, you had your little wonder. Y'all been worried, wondering about Mike ever since, you know, he got a couple changes to him. You know, y'all been concerned, but, you know, God is his judge. But the thing that concerned me about this whole trial, and I said this makes a great illustration about how we ought to behave during the judgment. The judge can make a decision with the jury to put this man behind jail for a long time. And Michael Jackson, you don't want to go to State Penn. You don't want to go to San Quentin. <laughs> you don't want to go there, brother. And so I'm like, so he shows up to court in pajamas. Y'all remember that? And he's dancing on the car, you know, you know, doing his thing. 
I'm saying, you know, back in the day, I, I could do, I could do a little something. So I'm saying, dude, you're being judged. Well, well I mean, at least try to try to act like you ain't done nothing. Coming up in there with pajamas on. And then there was this guy. What's his name again? Scott Peterson, right? Okay, so when he was accused of killing his wife, this is how he looked, right? He was looking all rough and tough and guilty. But when, when it was time for court, homeboy cleaned his face, he dyed his hair black, he put a suit on. Now, now, now Mike got, it's amazing, Mike got off. He did the right thing and, and went to jail. But, but, but in the spiritual realm, Lord have mercy. <laughs> It's not your righteousness that's going to get you through anyway. Come on, say amen. But the point I want to make with this is, is when you are living in judgment, it's natural to at least try to make some changes to at least impress the judge. Now, I ain't talking about no human judge. I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about your Lord and Savior. Is he not worthy to be impressed? Matthew 7, 21 says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Do you love Jesus? Yeah, I love the Lord. People say that all the time. Yeah, he said, so just because you say that don't mean you're going nowhere. He says, but he who does the what? The will of my Father which is in heaven. The hour of judgment has come. The hour of judgment has come. Come on, say this with me, y'all. The hour of judgment has come. Come on, the hour of judgment has come. Say it again. The hour of judgment has come has come. Now, as we close, God is judging us, and the truth of the matter is, how many of y'all know he sees everything? <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you tonight. Lord, have mercy. <laughs> have mercy, Jesus. The truth is, is we will fall while we're living in the judgment. Do I have any folk in here who have failed? And if you live long enough, you're going to fall again? And if you live longer than that, you're going to fall again? But, but, but check this now. I like what Proverbs says about this. For though a righteous man falls seven times, <laughs> he rises again. But the wicked are brought down by calamity. You all know Johnny Cochran, right? John, may he rest in peace. Johnny Cochran was the, I mean, if you got in trouble, if you was in deep stuff, who would you call? J.C. Johnny Cochran. He got O.J. off. Come on, say amen. He got everybody off. I mean, listen, if you're guilty, go to Johnny. Come on, say amen. Johnny will get you off. Come on, say amen, somebody. But, 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 but I want to suggest to you today, as guilty as we all are, Johnny ain't going to get you through. Your mama can't pray you through this one. Come on, say amen. Your preacher can't get you through this one. The your name on the church roll. Oh, God, help us stop believing that lie. Because you go on a certain day or you do a certain thing, that's not going to get you through. Because you've been Baptist for seven, for seven generations, that's not going to get you through. Because of who you know and who you're connected to, no one will get you through. Uh, I recommend tonight we need, to, we, need to, we need to retain another JC. Come on, say amen. His name is Jesus. <laughs> And he's the only one that can get you through. Because as Satan begins to accuse you, and when, the truth of the matter is that Satan don't got to make up nothing about nobody. Right. Satan don't do nothing but tell the truth. He's a liar. He's a fornicator. He's manipulative. He doesn't love his wife. He mistreats his friends. He's no good. And all the while, Jesus is saying, you're right. You're right, Satan. You're, I, I, I agree. But I already lived and died for him. My blood is sufficient for him. He says, so Satan, he says, you can take your little arguments and go somewhere else. Case dismissed. Saved by grace. All throughout the Bible, God gives us a chance. This is why we call the time we're living in the investigative judgment. Because see, right now, God has every right. He has every right to cut us all off. You, I can't preach hard enough. You can't come to church often enough. You can't, you can't sing loud enough to save you. The only thing that will save you is the grace and the blood of Jesus. But God right now is saying in this time, this probationary period, somebody say probation. 
in this time where I'm giving you, and the time is about to run out. He said, you're in the two-minute drill. The clock is about to end. The game is almost over. I'm trying to give you a chance. He's saying, repent, come to me. Repent, live in me. Repent, I died for your sins. He's saying, come to me. The worst thing you can do right now is do whatever you want to do. It's a smack in God's face. Another smack in God's face is saying, I'll do it later. That means you want to keep killing him until you're ready. Because the Bible says each day in the book of Hebrews that we do not commit ourselves wholly to Christ. We crucify the Son of Fresh a day. 1 John 2.1, here's the good news. But if anybody does sin, We have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. <laughs> Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Come on, say amen, y'all. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the world. <laughs> Hebrews 9.11 says, but Christ being come, the high priest. Somebody say the high priest. Come on, somebody say the high priest. <laughs> You got you a high priest up in there. I mean, have you ever, have you ever gone someplace and, 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 you know, it may have been a government facility or something like that, or you needed some kind of hookup, and you were just hoping that the person that you knew was working that day? <laughs> and it just so happened that it was your luck, it didn't work out for you that way, and, and they weren't there, and you got the wrong person. How many know sometimes when you need to get something done, it's good to know somebody? Come on, say Amen. How many know that some, depending on who is there on what day, you can get the wrong response? It's good when you know folk. Come on, say amen. I remember one time we were, we were going somewhere, and, and I was with my father, and, and ain't nobody know who I was. But, and they were trying to get inside the facility, and, and they said, that's Edmund's boy. Let him on in here. I said, thank you, Jesus. Come on, say amen. The same is true of our Lord. You see, because the, the enemy looks at you, barring you from getting into the grace of God. But see, Jesus steps in and says, I know him. <laughs> That's my boy. Hey, but Jesus, why are you going to let him in? He ain't done no better than nobody else, but he's mine. I've died for him. He's my son. He's covered by the blood of Jesus. He's our high priest. Word of God says, by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place. <laughs> the Bible says, having obtained, what kind of redemption, y'all? Woo! Eternal redemption. Eternal redemption. Hebrews 9, 24 says, For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands. Where is he? Where is he, y'all? Which are the figures of the true. But where is he right now? Where is he right now? And the Bible says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Because in my Father's house, I'm preparing a place for you. I'm preparing a place for you. Hebrews 7, 25. Let us end here. And listen to this. I love this text. He, Jesus, is also able to save the uttermost. My dad would say the guttermost. Hear me now. There, there, there is no such thing as getting so far from God that he's not able to reach where you are. And I live to say this when I preach. There is absolutely nothing that you have ever done or are doing that God in his love cannot forgive and save. He is able. Somebody say he's able. That means he is sufficient. That means he's capable. That means that there is no limits to what his power can do. He is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. All I want to invite you tonight is you just got to come to him. In this time of probation, as we're living in the last days, how many know we're living in that time? I want you to take out your cards tonight. Take out your cards. Make a commitment to him tonight. Take out your cards tonight. And your card has some commitments down there. Let's just check them so we can pray for you. You've already put your name there. You've already put your address. We got prayer warriors. We want to pray. How many need some power to make it through? How many know this thing ain't easy? This thing is tough. The devil after you. People after you. And you got your own stuff you're dealing with. Come on, say amen in here. You ain't even helping the situation. But the good news is that you got an advocate. His name is Jesus. And he's for you. He's not against you. And there is no situation, none, none that he cannot handle. He's able. He's able. He's able. He is able. 
Somebody tonight might just need to say, I, I want to be ready. Somebody might say, I, just, I need to surrender my life to Jesus again tonight. Somebody may say, I need to be baptized. I need to make a decision to follow him wherever he tells me to go. He's been too good. He's been too kind. His mercy endures forever. And I'm a living testimony today that God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't just bless the righteous, but he blesses even those that find themselves on the side of the unrighteous. Oh, God bless you. Just take that moment here. Just take a moment right now. Your heads are bowed. Your eyes are closed. Whatever you need to tell God right now, I don't want to tell you what to tell me, but whatever you need to tell God right now in terms of, of getting your life right with him, I want you to just tell him right now. <clears throat> Asking for whatever you need. Just be real. It don't have to be a deep prayer. It doesn't have to be long. Because remember, he can even read your tears. <laughs> and even if you don't have the words to express, he knows your heart. Now tonight, if you want to be ready for the judgment, if you want to be ready to face your God and not have to look down in shame, but look up him and say, this is my God. I've waited for you. He's coming to save me. If you want to be in that number that's ready, that's ready. You've been through hell here. You ain't going again. I want you to stand right now. That's your commitment. Bless the Lord. My next appeal, my next appeal, my next appeal, and I know you're here tonight. I got some folk here tonight. You fight, you, you got, you, you're in a fight, Tuh, much like I am. But there's some of you who are in a fight for your spiritual life. How many know that your life is a spiritual life? Everything that you're, that's happening to you that you're going through is spiritual. And you're fighting. But I, I want you to know tonight. Stop fighting. Let Jesus fight for you. Is there anybody here tonight that just, that you're in a fight and you just need to be prayed for tonight because uh, sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down, but, but you love God. You, all, you have not always shown it, but, but, but you know you love him. You, you don't know how to demonstrate it all. You're not always doing the right thing, but, but the truth is, is you want to please him. You know he's been good to you.